Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Caleb. I am part of the leadership team, and it is my pleasure to bring the word to you. And we're going to continue in the letter of 2 Peter, uh, starting in verse 12. And, and, and just like we did last time, what I'd like to do is give us some time to read the scripture. So hopefully you brought your Bible, and if you didn't, there's no excuse. Uh, there are pew Bibles in front of you, and you can grab one of those and turn to page 1051. Uh, also, there's plenty of apps. Uh, you can download an app and look up the Bible there. So I'm going to give us some awkward silence to go ahead and read the passage. And when you're done, just look up at me. And when most people are finished, then I'll continue. Second Peter chapter one, verse 12 through I'm going to pray for us. Father, may we be a captive audience to your word. Your word is such good news. Lord, I ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive that good news. Even if we think we already know it, we think we've already been there and done it, Lord, refresh us. In your truth, refresh us in your word. Meet us where we're at, Lord. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to fill us, to enliven us, to give us hope. Give us ears to hear and a mind to understand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you have uh, been on an internet rabbit trail before raise, raise your hand you you start off wanting to do one thing and you end up somewhere where you really didn't intend to go uh sometime in the last two weeks i learned all about how to field dress a moose 
I have no desire to feel dress a moose. And, and now I know how, or at least I've watched a YouTube video on how to do that. And I, I think we often have had that experience where we're, we intend to do something, we think we have a purpose, and we go search, and we end off some crazy place and lost, and we forget what we initially went there to do. And I think that phenomenon of internet rabbit trail in some ways is a microcosm of life. Sometimes we're going through life and we, we have an intent, we have a purpose, and then somewhere along the line we realize we are off somewhere where we didn't intend to be and we've forgotten what our purpose was. And, and here in this passage, what Peter is going to do, he's, he's going to remind us, and we're going to see that. What, what, what Pastor Andrew argued last time is, is Peter is, is wanting to teach the church about what it looks like to put your faith into action. And the question is, how do we stay on track on what that faith-based action looks like? And there's a couple of things that Peter is going to point out. The first thing, in order to answer that question, we need to understand the importance of remembering. The importance of remembering, and specifically remembering the power of God. And so that's the first point. I'm going to read through verses 12 through 15. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Remember these things. Now, to set a little context, Peter knows that he is at the end of his life. Jesus prophesied that Peter would follow in the way of Jesus, and by that he meant he would be a martyr. He would die for his beliefs. And quite likely, Peter has even written this letter in captivity. And so he knows that his time is coming. It's, it's coming up. And so there's this picture of a man, Peter, who is at the end of his life, and he takes time in the limited time he has to write this letter to the churches that he's ministered to. What are the things he's going to say? What are the last words he wants to impart on those whom he loves? And, and it's, it's meant to call us to our attention. He mentions that. I'm, I'm about to die. And so what I have to say is, is incredibly important. And what we see is this three times. He says, effectively, remember, remember, remember. He says, I always want to remind you of these things. It is right to refresh your memory. I am writing, I'm making every effort so that after my departure, you will be able to remember these things. And so that's very important is that we would remember these things. Now, I don't know if, uh, if you're like me, I don't always like to be reminded of things. Like Stephanie will sometimes remind me of things. 
And my response sometimes is, yeah, 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 I already know. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I need those reminders, right? We forget. And so Peter's saying, even though you're already established in the truth, Peter's writing to the church. He's writing to those who have already said they believe. He's saying, I want to remind you again of these things. And these things points back to what Pastor Andrew covered in verse 3 through uh, verse 11. Specifically, these things, there's a couple of things in particular, and, and I would argue they have to do with the power of God. First, it's the power of God. In verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. This divine power that empowers us to live in the way that Peter is saying we should live with that list of fruit. Remember, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And, and this is not comprehensive. There's other lists in Scripture. These are all qualities that we're encouraged to walk in and to grow in. But secondly, the power of God is seen in, in what Peter is warning that we might fall into if we forget. You see in verse 9, but whoever does not have them these things, these qualities, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what? That they have been cleansed from their past sins. So there's two things. The remembering the, the power that compels us to grow and walk in faith, but also, and in, in more foundationally, the power that cleanses us of our past sins through Jesus. We are called to remember these things. Why are these things important to remember? Why should we trust Peter? And this is where we, in our passage, Peter's going to give us two reasons to trust him. The first is that Peter has personally experienced this power of God. And the second is the power of God is testified by his promises that are fulfilled through prophecy. So those are the two things. Let me start with the power of God is personally experienced by Peter. We'll continue reading in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. When I was younger, I used to be into conspiracy theories. Before, it was sort of in vogue now in, in a lot of different manifestations. And 
The thing about conspiracy theories that was so attractive was there was the sense that, that you, through, through intellectual research, through piecing together and figuring things out, that, that you could be in the know. Like, you could, you could really know what's going on. You could really explain the world in a way that other people couldn't understand. And so it was, it was sort of this idea that, that if I could just search hard enough, if I could just connect the dots well enough, I could figure out things before other people knew. And so that was what was attractive to me about these conspiracy theories. And we could say the same thing of a lot of what's called self-help that's out there. A lot of books are written. There's no shortage of narratives, of stories, of philosophies, of systems that purport to know the secret to how life really works. This is how it really is. And what Peter is arguing, this is not what I'm telling you. I am not bringing you a conspiracy theory. I am not bringing you cleverly devised stories. I'm bringing you what I've witnessed with my own eyes. And what Peter is doing, Peter is not inviting them to debate about a philosophical system of life. He is announcing to them the power of God that he's seen with his own eyes. It is a proclamation. It is not a debate. And so Peter is saying, this is what I've seen. Do you believe me? I've seen the power of God at work. And what he's referencing is something called the transfiguration. It's a time where Peter, along with James and John, go up the mountain. And as they go up the mountain, they see that Jesus is transformed. He's wearing white garments that are whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And he sees Elijah and Moses and Peter, not knowing what to say, says, it's great to be here. Let's build some tents. Which, of course, Peter's got to say something, right? He's in the midst of this incredible scene. And out of that scene, the voice from God from heaven says, This is my son, whom I love, and whom I'm well pleased. Peter witnessed this. And if you know the story of Peter, we know that Peter has had his ups, and Peter's had his downs. He's a man who's been changed by the power of God. He's witnessed the power of God through Jesus. It's interesting um, that difference between stories and philosophical systems and what we've seen. It's the difference between, if I were to say, I could tell you like all the reasons why Sasquatch might exist. And it might be interesting and, and, you, and you might go, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe Sasquatch could exist, but you can dismiss that, right? It doesn't affect your life. But if we're out hiking in the woods, and I say 100 yards around the bend, there's a black bear with a mama with her cubs, right? You would do well to pay attention to that, right? I'm not, t- I'm not arguing about the hypothetical. I'm telling you, I'm giving you a warning. There's something around the corner that you need to pay attention to. What Peter was arguing is, I've seen something. I've experienced someone, and we need to pay attention to this someone. We can't just dismiss what Peter is saying. But Peter doesn't 
fully rest his case on his experience. He goes one step further. He says, I've experienced the power of God, but, but also we have the power of God demonstrated through prophecy. This is where I'll spend a little bit more time on this because this is where God hit me through his prophetic word. And so let me read the last set of verses here. Verse 19 through 21. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had as its origin in the never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, uh, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I was reading this. I was thinking, you know, what, what prophecies is Peter talking about? And, and immediately the, the prophecy that I thought about was Isaiah 53. And as I studied that more, it became clear that Isaiah 53 in particular, there's a lot of other prophecies, prophecies but Isaiah 53 in particular was really important to Peter. For a couple of reasons, you can see, uh, number one, Peter actually quotes from Isaiah 53 in the first letter, and we'll look at that in a second. But secondly, if you understand Peter's life trajectory, his journey with Jesus, you can see how Isaiah 53 was really important to Peter's understanding of who Jesus was and what he grew to understand about Jesus. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off by reading through Isaiah 53, and then we're going to connect it back to what Peter is saying and, and really how Peter was transformed by this prophecy. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was, that bought, brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid, laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished." He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. 
though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This prophecy was written some likely 700 years before Jesus was born. And it's remarkable how many parallels there are between the prophecy in Isaiah and Jesus' life. Peter quotes from this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. This is what Peter's saying. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to, the, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's interesting because Peter, in the beginning, didn't believe this prophecy. Peter did not believe this prophecy, or he was ignorant of it. If we look at Mark chapter 8, in verse 31, Jesus is saying that he is the one who's going to fulfill this prophecy. He says this, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He says this after Peter makes the proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. So high point for Peter. Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. You're right, Peter. Jesus then is teaching them, okay, I must suffer, I must be rejected, I must die, I must rise. And if you've read that prophecy, you'd be like, amen. Peter says this. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? Let's think of it. Come here, Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, Messiah, ruler of heaven and earth. Let me instruct you better about your plan. It's pretty, it's hilarious and sad at the same time. You see, Peter wasn't expecting a suffering, a suffering savior. Peter wasn't expecting a dead savior. Right? We, when we think about heroes, when we think about Strong people. We think about people who are strong, people who conquer, people who are, are, are uh, indestructible, right? And that's what they were expecting. They were expecting a Savior who would come in and politically use his, his, his strength and his tact and whatever means necessary overcome the oppression of Roman rule. And here's Jesus saying, that's not my plan. And Jesus' response to Peter is what? Jesus rebukes Peter. <laughs> You're rebuking me? Jesus rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, Peter didn't understand Isaiah. Not at that point. But through his life, 
as Peter walked with Jesus, as he encountered and experienced the power of God in his life personally, and furthermore, as he sees the prophecies being fulfilled before his eyes, he begins to see Jesus as who he really is in his fullness. And what's remarkable, you might say, well, okay, so Jesus died, Jesus suffered, that fulfilled part of the prophecy, but maybe it's just a self-fulfilled prophecy, right? Jesus knew about Isaiah, right? Anyone could have picked up the book of Isaiah and said, oh, okay, the Savior's going to do this. Well, let me go suffer. Let me, like, cause some ruckus and, and get them to attack me and get them to kill me, and then I'll fulfill the prophecy, Jesus actually is fulfilling the prophecy. He knows about the prophecies, but he does something miraculous because if we continue in the prophecy, we see that not only must the Savior suffer and be rejected and die, but the Savior rises, and that was prophesied by Isaiah. Let's continue. Verse 10 in Isaiah chapter 53. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. You have in the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophecy that the Savior of the world would suffer, would be rejected, would die, but then would rise again and see the light of life. This was predicted and prophesied, and the only way to fulfill this prophecy is with the power of God because no one raises from the dead on their own. But Jesus did. And in so doing, Peter saw, he went to the empty tomb, he was like, hmm, that's strange. And then Jesus appeared to him. And Peter knew, I can't reject this prophecy any longer. The power of God is at work through Jesus to raise him from the dead. And it's this news that Peter is calling us to remember on the basis of his testimony of what he's seen, but furthermore, on the basis of the prophecy of God that was so perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. And if that's true, Jesus is alive and well this moment. He's with us. He reigns, he rules, and he says, I'm coming again. And we can believe that because he's fulfilled his promises perfectly to up until now that we can trust that he will come again to judge the living and the dead he will redeem and restore all of creation and that truth changes everything that truth if we remember and put it before us changes how we live it changes how we spend our time it changes how we spend our money it changes how we spend our energy very practically speaking, as we try to think, okay, so how does this change us? Like, how does putting this truth change us? So, for example, we think, uh, if you're like me, there's a lot of stuff in life that's interesting. Stephanie knows. I get on these kicks, these hobbies, and they're so fun. 
And I'm thinking, life is so short, I can't possibly do all the hobbies I want to do, right? And so because of that, there's this tension. When it, when it comes to loving others, that is time spent away from the hobbies that I want to do, right? So there's this tension. Oh, you know, I don't want to go because I want to do this. But if the reality is Jesus is coming back and that we were created for eternity and that our lives extend with him in eternity, then I have eternity to do everything I want. And therefore, if that truth is before me, I can sacrifice my time knowing that I'm not losing out ultimately on anything because God has given me everything I need. And it goes back to the previous verse, right? God, through his divine power, has given us all the resources necessary for a godly life. We're not spiritually poor. We're spiritually wealthy. Wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. And so what I want to encourage us this morning, on the basis of the power of God, testified by Peter and the apostles, demonstrated through fulfilled prophecy, this same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives, that we can, we can have the perspective of being rich in him. That we can love with our time, we can love with our money, we can love with our energy and not fear that we're losing out because Jesus has already demonstrated that he's given us everything through Jesus. We can love well. We can give of ourselves. And the, and the beautiful thing is, we know, a lot of us know this and a lot of us still fail, right? A lot of us still struggle. And so we remember also that God has cleansed us through Jesus. It doesn't matter how dirty you are, Christ has cleansed you. It doesn't matter how much you failed in the past, Christ forgives you and empowers you and enables you to continue get up and walk in faith. I've been encouraged to remember the power of God through fulfilled prophecy, his resurrection. And I hope that we as a church remember this, that we don't treat this news as something that we learn and we store, we stow away in some distant box, collecting dust. But that there's real power by bringing it before us this is, this is basic. This is reading his word. This is interacting with other believers, being reminded through other people of his good news that we are cleansed, that we are forgiven, and that we have the power to move forward in obedience and loving sacrifice towards God and towards others. I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would reveal to us specific ways that we can walk out this truth because I, I don't want it to be just something that you hear and like yeah but something that you actually wrestle with like what are who are the people that God is calling you to invest in to spend time with to spend money on to invest energy in what are the things that are are, are proverbial rabbit trails that we need to stop investing time stop investing money stop investing energy in. 
And then ask God for the power to walk in the newness of life that he's purchased by your blood. I want to invite the the band up, and I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for your word. It is good news for our souls that you not only cleanse us, but that you change us so that we are able to walk with you. We're able to love as we weren't able to love before. And so, Father, I ask that that you would speak to us, to every one of us this morning, Lord, for those who who have been struggling, Lord, with with addiction or struggling with uh, rabbit trails off purpose, Lord, that you would help us to know the power that we have through you. Help us to experience the power that's at work in this world. Help us to experience the resurrection power in our lives to walk in the newness that you have for us. Help us, Father, to love difficult people, to spend time, to be able to forgive, to be able to bless, to be able to lift up and encourage Father, bring those people to mind. Bring your word to mind. Lord, give us grace in our time of need. May we continue to trust in the work that that your son accomplished on the cross, that we are fully forgiven and made whole by your blood. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who continues to go with us. And may we honor you as we walk with you in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.